0: It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, Clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David.
1: And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. I'll tell you what, we could probably do a Grape Encounter about every other day because just like all other things in the news, there's just so much wine news out there. I had to bring in our buddy the voice of Grape Encounters Radio. It is Brent Keast, and though it sounds like Brent is in the same room as me, you'll see. He's not, because you're afraid of my cooties, aren't you? Well, I'm afraid
0: of pretty much everybody's. I know. I have not seen you in months. I know. I, I think that I've heard your voice a lot, but I haven't seen you well, dead I can, on.
1: I can tell you this. I'm a lot better looking than I was. I'm going to tell you that for sure, because I've really been dieting, I've been eating the right foods, I've been getting a lot of sleep, I've been in a state of calm. I'm just trying to stay calm and just process everything. That's terrific. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good, though. Yeah. But with all of the very, very important and solemn issues that we're dealing with right now, they really are are uh, issues that are spreading into every aspect of our life and our world. And I, I feel sometimes, Brent, like when I'm sitting you know, here in the studio and I'm just talking about wine, it's kind of, a, in a way, a frivolous thing, right? It's a fun thing, and it's, in a way, a way to just sort of distance yourself from all of the crazy stuff that happens in day-to-day life. <laughs> I've consumed wine for that purpose for many, many, many years, and... And it does a pretty good
0: job. Well, let me ask you a question, though. You take wine very seriously. How could you possibly think that it is frivolous?
1: Well, it's just one of those things where if I had to give it up because of, you know, other priorities, I would definitely do it. And, And, you know, what's really interesting, too, is that I've actually found myself drinking less wine during our quarantine And I thought it would be just the opposite that because I'd have a little bit more time that I'd probably get a chance to try some wines that I've been looking forward to trying and all of that. But in a way, I just kind of have been a lot Healthier and have cut back my wine consumption, so I could just enjoy what I am drinking a little bit more. Well, good nice? for you because I'm just the opposite. You're just you're the other. <laughs> you're you're the other guy. Okay. Well, first I want to just jump in in a general sense and talk about what's going on, and and this is the COVID nineteen part of it. Because if I had done this show yesterday, it would be a very different message than doing the show today, because literally Governor Newsom of California, where we live, just announced a mandatory face mask rule for California, period. Out? Did you, did you um, know that's that? That's indoor, though, not both outdoor and indoor, is it? You know, I don't know if I know the answer to that question. I'm assuming it's not outdoors, but boy, mandatory. I guess he's looking at just a huge increase in cases all over the country, and you know, uh, and and we're going to talk about some political things here today, but I'm not going to get political about it. I'm just going to say that it. Definitely frightens me because when we first went into quarantine, there were just a matter of hundreds of cases that had been recorded. Now we've got millions of cases recorded in the U.S. and everybody's in, it just seems
0: like party mood. Do you notice that? Yeah, I think people are getting bored with the whole idea, but I think that that's a dangerous uh, thing to do.
1: Oh, yeah, it it really is. And uh, somebody was telling me the other day that they went to church and the church that they attend is a, a really big one. And they were actually in a very celebratory mood because they said not only was every seat in the church filled, but nobody was wearing a mask. And I thought, have we really forgotten this quickly that we can't
0: be letting our our guard down right now? I mean, we still got to do our part. I think that's a very cavalier attitude to do something like that.
1: Well, and and you and I both know because, look, you work in a really awesome tasting room. And I've been in certainly thousands of tasting rooms in my life. And if there's one thing that can be said about tasting rooms, it's that they're intimate, typically. That, you know, there tends to be this bit of a crush up near the bar where people are trying to get to the next sample and the next sample. It's very close quarters. And I think most people know I have a wine tasting room of my own. It just supports the show and it's there for you to better understand the uh, Grape Encounters way of life, right?
0: Right. Now, you, you've you tried Zoom tasting, right? Using oh, Zoom? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, what? D- yeah, how did that work so. out? What do you think of that?
1: I think it's a great idea. It's a great alternative. It's got some really interesting implications for other things that we can do in the future that don't have anything to do with COVID-19. But all that being said, I've been a little bit, disappointed in the fact that a lot of these virtual tastings are just the same old same old even after a few short months and i take my hat off to places that are getting super creative but it can't just be about okay buy three bottles or four bottles or two bottles of our wine and we'll send it to you and we'll we'll have a tasting.
0: Well, see, my experience with it is, is that I have lost that intimacy that I get in an in-person type of encounter. Oh, yeah. So you've done it as well? Yes. Uh, attended some. I've never led one. But see, I think a Zoom meeting also has to be led by someone. Right. And that kind of breaks down the intimacy because it's not a really a two-way conversation at that point. Right. Yeah, exactly. And
1: if there's a lot of people on that Zoom conference call too, it
0: uh, I imagine just becomes a circus, right? Absolutely. And people forget to mute their mics and all kinds of crazy things. Yeah,
1: but points for trying, and I think a lot of people who run wineries and tasting rooms will tell you that they've had a great time doing it and it's created a connection between themselves and their customers that didn't exist otherwise the only time that they would have a face-to-face encounter with you know somebody who is interested in their wines is going to be at the tasting room and now they can touch people wherever they are a- a- anytime everybody wants to get together and do that
0: so well, yeah the one that that's, that a, I've that's attended a good thing right is yeah. the- it is led by a star winemaker and at that point you'd never have a chance to actually interface with somebody like that the star is usually in the back room or attending some sort of big seminar or whatever and this way you get to see the real guy no, exactly. And, and actually
1: ask them questions and communicate with them. And I think the advantage that the consumer has is that not everybody feels comfortable talking in a situation like that. So as long as you can put your shy to the side, chances are you can have a really meaningful conversation with somebody that you wouldn't otherwise have access to.
0: Right. And if you are shy, you don't have to to ask questions you can just be there and absorb what everybody else is asking
1: just a fly on the wall and you know what nobody's even checking
0: to see if you're just drinking white zinfandel <laughs> They're drinking- well you know they'd They'll kick you out of the Zoom meeting if you do do that.
1: And we're going to have to take a break here in a second. But one of the things that I really think is awesome is that some of the wineries, I don't know how many are doing this, but instead of you having to buy a whole bottle, they're repackaging their wines into small tasting sizes. And I think that's really cool because the whole purpose of a tasting is to taste the wine to decide if you want to buy the wine and drink the wine on a regular basis, So, if I have to pay $60 for a bottle of wine, let's say, and maybe there's, you know, two others in this tasting, I could be at $200 really easily tasting wines that I'm not sure I even want. What a great idea, though. Yeah, it's a great idea to go to the smaller ones. Okay, we're talking to Brett Keast. He is our announcer, but he's a wine guy, too. And uh, we're going to just dig into... some uh, political issues and social issues that are starting to arise in our wine community that are taking into consideration the, so many of the things that are, are going on, both good and bad, in our country today. And we're going to get into that in just a second as we continue with more grape encounters. So here is a question. I'm not sure it's easy to get the answer correct on this one. I certainly did not answer it correctly, but that's because I think the information has changed in recent years as well. The question is, who drinks more wine and who drinks more beer, conservatives or liberal? Okay, and I'm not—that's n- tricky. I am not going to try to draw any major conclusion off of this, mind you. But Brent Keast, you have a lot of people walk up to you and want to taste a wine. You—you uh, you may know whether they're conservative or liberal because you have some experience with them, or you—you you may not. But. Do
0: you have any guesses as to who drinks what? You know what? I'm sure that my prejudices are completely skewed, but I'd say um, that uh, liberals drink more wine than conservatives. You say liberals drink more wine than conservatives? Yes, that's my guess.
1: You would be right. Oh, wow. You would be absolutely right. And what's interesting about it is that not too many years back, I saw a very similar study that was done, and it was just the opposite. Liberals were drinking beer and spirits, and conservatives were drinking more wine. But no, uh, right now, it's it's just the other way around. It's the liberals who are drinking the most wine, and it is the conservatives who are tending toward beer. But now again, it's really interesting. Are you ready for this? Now, do they have any kind of basis for judging that? It just was a study. He's an economist who specializes in wine, and it just came out in the last couple of days. So well, did
0: he venture to say why liberals um, would drink y- more yeah, wine there than conservatives? Been, there
1: have been people that have been speculating about this because there are a number of people that have since picked up the story and have you know tried to make it into something bigger than what it is. But really, pretty much everybody has concluded, don't read too too much into it. But let's look at the second part of this, though, for a second, because this is kind of the significant part. And what they did was they took all 50 states and they looked at the wine consumption per capita in each of these 50 states, and then they put them on a continuum and what they discovered is there was a pretty close to dead-on correlation, get this, between the states who drank the least amount of wine and their support for the current president. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? In other words, states that tend not to drink very much wine were states that lean much more strongly toward Donald Trump. And Again, I wouldn't try to manipulate an election on the basis of that data (laughs) in particular, but I guess it would be safe to say that if you're a conservative and you're trying to whip up votes, you might go to places where there are wine drinkers. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a hard and fast rule, that's for sure. Yeah, so I am looking at this story about this study, and like I said, they've got this continuum that they've placed the states on, and just as you look at the states that drink very little wine, they tend to skew quite conservative, and the more that they drink in terms of wine, the more liberal the state becomes. So
0: it's uh, this is, of course, this is the San Is Frans- it the wine that makes them liberal? I don't know, but... It's the is- beer that makes them conservative?
1: I don't know. But by the way, this is in the San Francisco Chronicle. Oh, okay. And the author of this story, her name is Esther Mobley. And Esther, uh, you're up there in the Bay Area, and I sent you a note asking you to give me a, a shout. Maybe you didn't get it. But anyway, I'd love to get her on and just kind of uh, talk about this a little bit.
0: Anyway, so... Uh, the governor of California and Nancy Pelosi both own wineries. Yeah. Well, oh, yes. And, and yeah, you know, we're going to talk about that a little bit
1: more. We can talk about it now. This is an interesting thing.
0: You know, we we're talking about the fact that
1: Governor Newsom is now requiring everybody to wear a mask. And, you know, all of the decisions that he's made over the past three months haven't necessarily been very kind to the wine industry. But it, it does bear mentioning the fact that Governor Newsom is a winery owner and a darn good one, too. I, I mean, the winery is a darn you, good one. You've had his wine? Well, yeah, Plump Jack. Oh, yes. You've got to be familiar with Plump Jack. I mean, really, really decent wines. So um, he's a winery owner, as is Nancy Pelosi. But by the way, there are lots and lots of politicians that own winery. That that is for sure. So uh, that's that's not unusual. Anyway, so that's a a, a little bit of something to chew on. We're going to jump into some other topics here in just a second. One of the things that I had wanted to actually do a story on is a movie that came out in March. Um, And it came out really at the beginning of the COVID crisis, but well before the protests that are taking place and still taking place now. And the movie that was released is called Uncorked, which is kind of annoying because for years I did a feature on the radio called Uncorked. Nobody asked me for permission to use the name of my feature, but... Well, you are an original. Yeah. But anyway, this particular movie is about a young black man who is wanting to become a master sommelier. But he works for the family business, which is a barbecue business. There's a, a, there's a bunch of cliches in this movie. And I've noticed that other people who have reviewed it, I'm not a movie reviewer. You certainly are much more of one than I am. But, you know, a lot of cliches that I think we probably could have done without. But by and large, the movie really received a lot of positive feedback, especially because there's this tendency to just completely not even talk about the involvement of the black community in winemaking. When you look at this list of wineries, and it's not a huge list, and it should be, but it's not. But you look at these wineries, I recognize many of them, and I know the wines to be really, really exceptional wine. But wouldn't you agree that, I mean, it's just something that nobody's talking about is the number of African Americans that are either in a career like a, a a master psalm position or making wine or, or just generally working in the industry. It's just not a topic that you hear a lot of discussion about, and it needs to be. Well, I've sort of
0: taken that for granted.
1: Well, I think that's kind of the thing about it is that I never think about, well, is it a female winemaker or is it—is it somebody that's old or young or whatever? I just think about how good is the wine. But this is a really good time for us to wake up and shake things up a little bit and make sure that these African-American owned wineries and the winemakers really, really get the attention they deserve because the quality is just there. It's so spot on. But isn't it sad that in a region like ours that has hundreds of wineries that we have very few black owned wineries here? Just a few. So it's it's something that I want to dig a lot deeper into, but we're going to, have to take a break here for a second, Brent, so will you hang with me for a second, and we'll talk more about this and other important subjects as we continue with my good buddy, Brent Keist. He is our announcer here on Grape Encounters, but a wine guy through and through, and he deals with it every day of his life and makes it himself as well, and that's why we got him talking to you. We'll be back in just a second. You know, even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, Total Wine & More is always several steps ahead. They're always doing everything they can to distinguish themselves from everybody else. And even though I'm a little jealous of how well they're able to cover the world, they definitely make my job easier by turning me on to some of the next exciting discoveries. Did you know that Total Wine & More's buying team travels across the U.S. and around the world looking for new and exciting wines? Total Wine doesn't just sell the same old, same old. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible prices. Just look for the yellow Winery Direct tag. And for a contactless experience, try their new curbside pickup option. Simply order online and select curbside for an easy new way to shop. Have a little fun online. Order today at TotalWine.com.
0: We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. And
1: back with Grape Encounters Radio. It was actually, I think, the first movie that I watched when I had to jump into quarantine. A movie called Uncork, streaming on Netflix. A really, really, really decent movie, but my friend, Brent Keist, who is the movie guy in this world, hasn't even seen it. Did that movie make wide release? Uh, no, it was Netflix. It re- was released on Netflix
0: by Netflix. Okay, that's probably why I haven't heard but of it. But that seems like pretty wide release to me, actually. Well, actually, I think that is the biggest theater operating now. I think that
1: if you watch this movie, you will really enjoy it. It is a feel-good movie. Uh, like I said, it's got some cliches. And I'm not going to say what the cliches are because when you watch, you're going to go, yeah, it's kind of cliche. Like, for instance, he's got a dying mother. And so that really changes the whole dynamic of everything that goes on in the movie. But that's just one of many things like that. But the film is really a really nice story. And it underscores something that I think is super important, and that is there is some just amazing participation from the black community in the wine world, not just in winemaking, but being a wine expert. And we need to see a lot more of it. And I think movies like this really open up your eyes. And certainly if I was somebody who was interested in – Exploring being one of these you know very noble people that we call master psalms who know everything about everything, then you know this movie would certainly encourage me in the in the right direction so it's a lot of fun and I think what's really super interesting, Brent is just how we're starting to understand this whole concept of Sommelier, which is just something that for decades and decades and decades, we just heard it and it was this pretentious word, and somebody came along and they Cut it down from sommelier to psalm, somm,
0: S O M M, and then psalms became cool. Here's a question Did it have any actual sommeliers in it and any stars?
1: Uh, no, I, uh, not really. And I don't know if they had any consulting psalms, but uh, one thing is true. The actor, and it's um, Mamado Athi, I hope I'm not messing up the name. The character's name is Elijah. I, I, this actor knew absolutely nothing about wine, nothing, not a zip, and he does a, a very good job of being convincing, I must tell you, and it's just it 's really nice to watch and it, you know sometimes when people are pretending to be something that they 're not, it doesn't come off very well, but in this particular case, it, 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 he does a really super good job. Is he a wine lover now? Oh gosh, I, I don't know that's an interesting thing. But I'll tell you one thing, there's a lot of scenes of them fixing this barbecue, you know, all kinds of different barbecue things. I am a barbecue fanatic. Love it. So <laughs> it'll make you hungry, that's for sure. Anyway, so check that movie out. Again, it's called Uncorked. Uh, it's really worth taking a look at. And kudos to folks who made it and Netflix for paying some attention to something that we're not paying very much attention to. And we need to. We definitely need to. But you know, going back to the number of people who are making wine, who are of African-American descent, it's a pretty significant list. And I'll tell you something, too. Wine Enthusiast Magazine just came out. I literally, in the last few days, came out with what they call a global guide to black-owned wine labels. And they've got pretty much an entire list by country. And the United States, you know, really has a significant number of African-American winemakers. But it's still, you know, it's small. We're talking about 30-something, let's say. That are on this list. I'm sure that there are more than that. But then you get into other countries, European countries as an example, you're going to find just very few, like next to none. But I think we're just neck and neck with them here in California. Well, actually, I shouldn't say just California because there are folks of African American descent that are making wines all over the country right now. In some interesting places, and I might add, making some interesting wines is two varietals that you don't necessarily see a lot of, and even toying around with other ingredients to make the wine that does not include
0: grapes. So what do you think oh, of that? Oh, really? Yeah. exactly. Like mead or something like that?
1: Yeah, things like mead and um, other fermentables. There's some really, really um, interesting things that are being done, and I would say largely California... But you can go just about anywhere from Missouri to New York, you name it, regions, even in Kansas where they're making wines as well. So it's all over the country and it is a movement and it is definitely getting some traction right now. So I'm glad to report that, and I'm going to do a better job here of paying attention to that part of the winemaking industry because it deserves a lot more attention than it's getting. So shame on me and anybody else that hasn't covered it like we should. By the way, I was talking about some unusual things. Um, There's a winery called ENAT, E-N-A-T Winery. They're located in East Oakland. And uh, started in uh, nineteen ninety nine, and they specialize in something called Tej. It's T E J, and it's a mm. traditional Ethiopian honey wine. So mead would be right.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: Yeah, mead and honey wines. Basically um, the same thing. But in terms of varietals, it really runs the gamut, everything that you can possibly think of. One thing that I'll also tell you is, is that a lot of these wineries, a good percentage of these wineries, not unlike the rest of the wineries that are making wine, they are celebrity owned, whether it's uh, musicians or uh, sports figures, that sort of thing. Obviously, that's a really super common thing in general in the wine industry And there's no difference where black winemakers are concerned Hmm. as well. And it takes a lot of money to get into the business. So that's, um, you know, sometimes that's the only way is you got to have the money to begin with. What do they say? The best way to make a million dollars in the wine industry is start with two million. Yeah, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) But this is where I want to jump in, though, and make an important point. And it's this. The one thing that is really awesome about winemaking is that it's accessible. And now I'm going to contradict what I just said, that it takes a lot of money to make wine. But if you are interested in becoming a winemaker and you think that you don't have the opportunity because it's just cost prohibitive, the truth is there are lots of entry points now where you can get into winemaking By working with collectives, working with custom crush facilities. You don't have to plant any grapes. You don't have to buy any equipment. You might have to buy a couple of barrels, things like that. But for the most part, you don't need any of the things that a typical winery needs and requires to make wine. You just need somebody to point you in the right direction. Well,
0: I think it does take a lot of money to become a major brand, though, because I think their expenditures are mostly in marketing and branding. However, you can make some great, great wine as a small producer.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Hey, we've got to take a quick break
1: here. We're talking to Brent Keist. And uh, Brent, uh, pretty soon you get to go back to work? Ah, yes. Good. Okay, good. All right, we're well, talking to Brad Keith. He is our announcer here at Grave Encounters, and we're just talking about a number of things related to the wine industry and how it relates to politics today and the important issues that we as a country, we as a world are facing right now. And it's nice for me personally, to get an opportunity to focus some attention on some things that really deserve more attention than they're getting. I think we're all learning a big lesson about that and got to do what's right here. So we'll, we'll do that. By the way, there really is a terrific resource that you can dig into if you'd like to know more about African-American Vintners. It is the Association of African-American Vintners. It was founded back in 2002, and it's a nonprofit 501c3 corporation. And their whole purpose is to increase awareness of diversity in the industry to all wine consumers through public pouring events showcasing AAAV member wines. Uh, The organization welcomes professionals from all aspects of the wine industry, as well as consumers. So if you'd like to be more plugged in and see what's going on in the world of African-American winemaking, this would be a great place to go. The website is aavintners.org. And uh, you might want to just plug yourself in and help support something that really warrants your support. And we will be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Today's edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More. Every week we encourage you to look beyond the ordinary and seek the extraordinary. That's why you definitely want to check out Winery Direct at Total Wine & More. These products are identified by the yellow shelf tag in the store or online. The selection includes more than 2,000 of their 8,000 wines, and you could be confident that you're getting the highest quality wines produced by some of the world's most renowned winemakers at the best price. Winery Direct is one of the many things that makes Total Wine & More so unique. Order today at TotalWine.com. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters Radio right after this.
0: We've got to take a breather for a minute or two. Don't go away. Remember, if we don't let the wine breathe, it's impossible for the show to be done in good taste.
1: Well, the country is trying to get back into the swing of things, getting back to its old ways. But as far as wine is concerned, I think it's going to be a while before we can enjoy wine the way that we used to enjoy wine. Uh, You know, albeit there are some interesting new ways to imbibe and that's great but the the way that we used to do it i don't think that's gonna come barreling back very soon anyway i've got uh, brent Keystone brent hi what are they saying around
0: la cuvier in terms well, right of right now what are they, they do? are serving food and it's a sit-down affair it's outdoors and usually, the people who are tasting it, all the glasses are stacked on the table, and every wine has already been poured before the taster arrives. right. And then the uh, tasting room host stands back six feet wearing a mask and tells them what they're drinking and eating.
1: Okay, and that's all well and good. and I, I must say I have been observing what other people are doing, and there is real determination to get it right. real determination to protect the patrons
0: oh absolutely But you know and, what uh, i think there's uh, a certain amount of legal ease that has to be oh adhered yeah, to oh, as yeah. Well. No,
1: no doubt about it but what i want to say is this that despite the very best intentions that we all might have it's not a perfect world and no. it really shouldn't be just up to the people who are serving the wine to get it right we depend on you as a customer to come in and do the right thing as well and that means you know when you go into the tasting room until you're seated you got to wear that mask
0: Right, you got to do that. Well, no one is uh, even going into the tasting room at our winery. They, they, so they're outs- all So they're outside.
1: You've got that big outdoor patio area, which is really lovely there, so, yeah. so, the, so and some let me Adirondack
0: understand. chairs that where they can look out over the bluff and it's it's pretty nice. So
1: let me understand this. then they have to call in advance. they have to make a reservation. We're going to tell them this is what we're serving for the day. Is it going to be more than one entree that you serve, or it just be a different thing each day? How's that work?
0: Well, the, the, the entree actually is five different pairings that, oh, okay. that are designed to go with the wine. Excellent. And so you eat the pairing in the proper rotation as you drink the wine. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, that's, and I've, and, I've, and I've, I think, uh, yeah, you, you do have to have an appointment because they have to set the table for you and get that yeah. all set up ahead of time.
1: Now, I want to talk about something that has been going on for about the last 30 days here in California, and it's just it's pure insanity, if you ask me, is if you are a wine bar or a regular bar and you wanted to get open like a lot of businesses were opening in what we called phase two, then you had to do something that you probably aren't used to doing, and that is you have to become a restaurant. It It was just the strangest response to COVID-19. I still don't get it. And they said, okay, you're a wine bar and we can't let you open up unless you're serving food too. Now think about this for a second. If I pour you a glass of wine, hypothetically, I could use a clean towel or a rubber glove uh, to hand you the wine. I never touch the glass. I pour the wine in and it's a completely touch-free situation, Right. right. But yeah, now yeah, I'm correct. Now I'm going to serve you food and I'm not t- talking about necessarily what you guys are doing but I'm a wine bar and now I've got to serve food and by the way it had to be substantial food. In other words I couldn't just give you granola bar. It had right. to be real food. So now I've got plates to deal with. I've got silverware to deal with. I've got napkins to deal with. I've got pots and pans to deal with. I've got so many touch points that are not touch-free that I'm going to have to deal with doing it this way.
0: Can you think of one good reason, Brent, why they did this? Well, I imagine it has to do with hygiene and
1: a way that that you're not going to
0: transfer the virus to someone via a surface.
1: Yeah, but but why would the hygiene be better if I'm serving a salad, a main course, and dessert, and I have all of the stuff that I need to put out in order to properly serve a customer versus just giving you a glass of wine?
0: Well, I don't think all the wineries are actually even – considering being a restaurant. I well, think that, well, that's, they might well, give that's you a granola now. bar and call themselves a restaurant.
1: Yeah, but that's over now. I mean, they've ended that restriction, but that went on for 30 days. And yeah. it was
0: just, I'm sorry, but it was moronic. Well, didn't you get a dictum or a, a list of things that you had to adhere to oh, in order gosh, to yes. open?
1: Oh, gosh, yes.
0: With, with something like eight pages and 73 oh, yeah. bullet points, and, something like that? And
1: subject to so much interpretation, and it has you just jumping through hoops. And I want to be really clear about this, okay? I'm not objecting to that. I think we've got to do everything we possibly can to be safe. I really do. And I don't mind going to the extra effort, but some of it was a little bonehead, and I can't understand the rationale behind it. I've asked so many people, why the food? Why are we throwing in this other component that introduces so much more possibility to infection when it's not necessary? I mean, if I was doing this, Brent, here's how I'd do it. Tasting rooms, this would be what you would have to do. One, no uh, reusable glassware, period. Just for the time being, okay? But we're going to go to those really nice stemless... Plastic cups that are used at a a lot of wine events, wine and food events. And they're nice, they're nice, thin uh, material. The wine tastes good out of these cups, but when you're done, you can either take it home and reuse it or just you know recycle it, one of the Mm -hmm. two. But doesn't that seem like a much better solution because you just pour me the wine, I
0: enjoy the wine, and I throw it away afterwards. Yeah, but it seems like if you have a – which all restaurants have, they have a glassware dishwasher. That thing takes the temperature up to 175 degrees, and that's going to basically sterilize the glass. You can't sterilize plastic.
1: Well, that's, that's true, but I was just trying to find a way where nobody has to touch anything. Period it's just we're not transporting anything around. We make it super easy. I'm just erring on the safe side, Brent. That's Yeah,
0: all. I know. Well, a lot, of, see a lot of wineries used to have these little booklet type menus, tasting menus. Yeah. You can't have those now. They have to be just paper that you I know, can throw the menu, away.
1: The menus have to be thrown away as well. Yeah. I have so, the menu. So much uh, I, for being green. I have the menu up on the big screen. And you know what? Now I've got to take both of us off of the big screen, Brent, because it,
0: we're up. Time is up. Oh, wow. It went so fast. It
1: always does when you're here, my friend. Oh, you're so sweet. He is an actor, he is a writer, he is a director, he is a winemaker, he works in a tasting room, he does voiceover work all over the country, and he's our guy and we're proud to have him.
0: Brent? Well, oh, thank you. I'm just a guy who can't say no.
1: Yeah, he thanks a lot for being with me today. I really appreciate it a lot. You know, hopefully I'm going to see you face-to-face sometime soon, but this is the next best thing. All right. All right, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. going to be back here next week. And again, my deepest thanks to Brent for coming out from behind the microphone and... And hanging with me and talking through some very important subjects. So um, that's going to do it for today. Goodbye. We will see you all back here next week, same time. I want to remind you that Grape Encounters Radio has been brought to you by Total Wine and More. You know, when you sell over 8,000 wines under one roof, you're going to meet consumers from every walk of life with different tastes and needs. Luckily, Total Wine has everybody covered with their nearly endless selection of wines to choose from plus a variety of ways to shop. They even have in-store pickup and contactless curbside pickup, so you're in and out in a flash. From your favorite picks to rare finds, there's always something new to discover at Total Wine and More. Order today at TotalWine.com.